Hi, this is Wilson, lead pastor of Renew Church OC. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Our sermon series, Psalms, the Internal Life of David, pairs narratives from David's life with Psalms that help us pull back the curtain to understand what he's feeling, how he's praying, and the way he's relating to God. LA is all about how you look and the two-second impression you give to other people. But God doesn't look at the appearance. He looks at the heart. I hope this series helps us to take our eyes off of the external and focuses our attention on developing our internal life with Jesus. You know, it's funny for, uh, for some of you guys sharing. Um, oh, we'll start to bring us back. Still going. It is a hype. It's an excited topic. And I get that. I really do get that. It was funny, I was uh, sharing uh, this sermon with our children's ministry this morning, and uh, I swear I could have seen from Nina uh, a tear go down her face as she was talking about her air fryer and how much it means to her. She said, it's healthy, it's time efficient, it's low maintenance and cleaning, it's like the crock pot times 100. And uh, I just saw her eyes light up with this praise. And so uh, if you guys don't know me, I tend to get really, really hyped. I tend to get really excited. Uh, Wilson was just telling me yesterday or two days ago that I get too excited sometimes. And I say it's, it's a seven thing. Uh, the gift of awe and wonder kind of comes with the territory. You know what I mean? And so, well, anyways, I had this crab leg hand roll <laughs> from a Japanese restaurant. And I just remember taking my first bite, and I was on a date with Kimberly, and I took this first bite, and I was like, this might be the best date we've ever been on because of this crab hand leg, this crab leg hand roll. And I just remember the flavors coursing through my veins, and I just remember my eyes, they felt like they were rolling back. And I, and I look at Kimberly and I say, we're ordering another round. And at this point, um, if you know anything about Kimberly and I, when I get excited, Kimberly starts getting really excited. And then we're both heartbeats are just raging fast. And uh, before you know it, we're doing like five-star Yelp reviews in the middle of dinner. Uh, I'm posting like an emotional picture on Instagram about how great this experience was. And I remember I get in the car and I start texting my brother Ryan, who's a big foodie. I start texting him, I'm like, dude, if you don't go to this restaurant tomorrow, you're crazy. It's life-changing. And so he's like, all right, I got my appointment booked. I'm going. I'm going to try this crab leg hand roll. And, um, and I knew the time of his dinner. It was about 7 p.m. And now it's getting to like 9 or 10 p.m., and I still haven't gotten a text yet. And I'm like, okay, I'm worried if he got lost. Maybe they ran out of stock, so he didn't try the crab leg hand roll. And I meet up with him the next day, and I'm like, dude, pretty great, huh? And he had the most polite but confused face, as if he didn't want to disappoint me. And he was like, Kevin, this is like an appetizer. This is like a basic hand roll in Japanese cuisine. This is like, I have this every month at my friend's house. (laughs) And I was so disappointed. And then I was like, well, did you go to the right restaurant? Did you burn your taste buds the previous night? And, and it's funny because the point of this all is that we give a lot of things, we give a lot of things praise, right? And it, it feels almost like it's become subjective. What I considered praiseworthy was not praiseworthy. Ryan didn't think it was praiseworthy. And so what's the standard here? 
And so maybe you guys shared something, whether it's cryptocurrency or the Bills or whatever sports team it was. Uh, and they're great. These are great things in themselves. But they don't, they don't change your life. They don't change the purpose or course our purpose in our lives. They don't really have a real change in my character. Um, they're not what drives me. This hand roll isn't what drives me each day. It's not the reason why I get up. Uh, and in taking a step further, these things don't give me peace, really. You know, the hand roll gave me about two hours of peace, but it wasn't, it wasn't lasting peace. And maybe you guys are deeper than me and you said uh, something deeper like a relationship. You said my wife or my kids I praise about. And um, I say you're much more holier than me. But, but even then when I sit and think about my wife Kimberly, she isn't the primary force that is changing my character every day. She isn't the presence that's making me better each day or transforming me or fully completing me. And so the question that we are faced with here really is, is what is truly praiseworthy? What is worthy of all of our praise? If you're with me, uh, if you turn to Psalm 145, the Bible says this, I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise his greatness no one can fathom. The psalmist says in verse 3 that God is most praiseworthy. So much that his greatness, we can't even fathom it. If, if we would just even sit in that, that if we spent a lifetime forever and ever and each day trying to wrap our heads around the greatness of the Lord, we still would not be capable of doing it. That we could spend each day trying to discover more and more of it and it would be, it would be endless. And uh, I'm kind of on this restaurant binge a little bit. And it, <laughs> if you've ever had endless bottomless fries, anyone had bottomless fries? Bottomless shrimp? Bottomless mimosas? Ah. Uh, that even, if you even think of how bottomless that is, that even that would run out at a restaurant, if you think about it. They would sell out their whole kitchen. Even the world would eventually run out of fries or shrimp or mimosas. But when we read the scripture here in verse 3, that his greatness, it can, we can't even wrap our heads around it. And so that God's love is, is greater. It's bottomless. I've never used this connection before <laughs> with fries. But it's bottomless. It's endless. And the psalmist says our response is to spend every day proclaiming it. That even though it's an impossible task, that he will spend a lifetime praising and wanting to discover how deep and how wide and how great is the Lord. And if we're going to spend a lifetime doing it, we should know what praise is, right? And so the Webster, the Miriams, the, the dictionaries, all of them, praise is defined as giving one's admiration, respect, gratitude in an act or an expression. And so when we sing songs like we did this morning, when we come together, we're praising the Lord. We're, pray, we're admiring the Lord. We're giving him our thanks and our utmost gratitude. And um, I do like this definition a little bit more that a pastor said. I like this definition. He says that praise is giving back to God the breath that he's given us. That praise is giving back to God 
the breath that he's given us. Meaning every breath that we exhale, God is worthy of it being used to praise him. That every energy we use, that every word that we speak, God is worthy of it being unto him. And you know, I think the psalmist, uh, I think the psalmist would agree with that sentiment. And let me show you this to further my point. Uh, on the next slide, this is uh, a big picture of pretty much what my, what my MDiv tuition is going towards. So uh, I got to use it in a sermon. Uh, Psalm 145 is one of the few chapters. Oh, we should go to the next slide. Ah, yes. Psalm 145 is one of the few chapters in the Bible that we see is an acrostic poem. An acrostic poem is, is essentially that the first word or the first letter of the given sentence or line is, is purposely put there to form something, whether it's an alliteration, whether it's a meaning, whether it's a deeper uh, value to the text of the whole point of the passage. And so when we look at the original Hebrew language in Psalm 145, the first letter is A. And, and then it's, Al, it's Aleph. And then it's Bet. And then it's Gimel and Dalet and so forth all the way to Tav. And essentially what this is saying in English terms is it's A to Z. That the psalmist did this purposefully to say that as we praise the Lord, to say that everything under the sun from A to Z praises the Lord. Let me take this a step further, that I would even make this claim here, that the whole purpose, the whole bane, the whole reason that we even have a voice, that we can even communicate, that we even have language to speak, is so that we can praise the Lord. That the reason we have mouths and then when we utter, use energy and it utters a sound is to give praise to the Lord because he is worthy and he is only truly praiseworthy. And so if you ever wanted to write a psalm and do what David he does here in Psalm 145, you should do one from A to Z. Do an acrostic poem. Start off with amazing is the Lord, beautiful is his face, caring is his nature. You know, do you, you guys can help me with that one. Um, you know, displays are beautiful of the Lord. Whatever it is, it gives worship to the Lord and it shows this totality of praise. And, and if, if you would stick with me on this one, I would even say A to Z might not even fully capture the greatness of the Lord. That when it says in verse three that we cannot even fathom it, that A to Z even in some ways that the human language probably doesn't have enough words to describe, to proclaim, to encapture the Lord. And we have tried since the beginning of time to, but still we discover more and more greatness and, so, and more and more goodness. So when I was thinking of uh, what praises the Lord that displays his greatness best, uh, A to Z does it well, but I was thinking about this past weekend's baptisms. I was thinking about how five people, five lives, five independent souls and humans, Aubrey, Lucy, Jacob, Jonathan, Sonny, saying that the Lord has radically transformed their lives and they want the world to know that he is worthy of all praise. Is there anything that speaks more to his goodness, to his character, to his love than that? That a person would surrender their life, that they would submit their hopes, their dreams, that they would surrender what they do know and look to the Lord's word over their own word. 
And that they would say, Lord, I need you. I need your grace. I need a savior. And I want to live each day praising you. What a testament to God's greatness. And you know, I was thinking of Jonathan um, when he was sharing his testimony and how he's essentially saying that one home quickly became two and that he was caught in the tears of this divorce. And I was thinking to himself as he's wrapped around uh, 100, 120 people here that, that only the Lord could restore him, that only the Lord could give him a new family. And so there's this totality of praise when I look at this picture. I see one family, one united group that's all there, not because of a social club or a hobby or sports or wanting to live well. It's, it's based in this root that we have been saved by grace and we are in need of a savior. And we are progressing forward as a family, praising the Lord with all that we have. So what does praise look like as God's family? If you would turn with me to verse 4, the Bible says this. That one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. You know, we see very clearly in these passages that praise as one family comes in the form of telling, of speaking, of declaring, of proclaiming, of meditating on the Lord's goodness. And welling forth, welling from that place bubbles up and comes praise. It comes this exclamation of the Lord. And when we read verse 4, um, I think about that this is, a bit, this is where our value for a multi-generational church comes from. That one generation needs the other, that each life stage is not greater than the other, but all of us need each other, and we each bring something when we walk through these doors on Sunday. Whether it's we're not feeling it in the morning or whether we're tired, your praise and your worship coming here this morning matters to the person sitting next to you. And so when I think about uh, praising God's family, I think of Ken and Chrissy. I think about how... Uh, how wonderfully they shared a couple weeks ago. And, and me and Ben were just sitting on the couch and we we're just talking about how moved we were when they said uh, that their desire, their prayer for this church is that their ceiling would be our floor. And I, and I think about how humbled I was and how thankful I was that they would want to elevate those around them for the glory of the Lord, for the, for the continued praise of the Lord. And that long after that they're gone, they want to see a people who meditate on God's works. And there's this lifelong praise at Renew that continues from generation to the next. I think about Wilson, who shares uh, this dream that he has that all the pastors that he would mentor would be greater, would surpass him, he always says. That future pastors would be able to proclaim God's goodness to more people that go much beyond his reach that go much beyond his influence, and that the singing of the Lord's glorious splendors would go farther. I think about Mr. and Mrs. Wang, who maybe would raise their hands the highest on each Sunday, that they don't even need to say much, but their expressions tell of God's mighty acts, that I think about as they sit front row, that there is generations behind them that are, that are, most like, that are younger, 
that will follow and tell of God's goodness. That their, their story when they lift their hands, it tells that, that God has been good to them for a lifetime. And that goes beyond so much more than I can see in my 27 years. You know, when, when, when one generation tells to another generation of the goodness of the Lord, there's almost like this beautiful symphony. There's this, there's this choir, this universal praise to the Lord, inspiring each other and passing down each song of praise. There are stories of how God has moved through a lifetime, stories of his goodness. And, and we do that here at Renew each week. We have, we have small groups. We have Sunday service. We do life together. We get meals together. We fellowship. We have our kids hang out together and play in the pool. And, and there's this sharing of lives and talking about the Lord that takes place. That can't be measured. It's the Sunday morning when we go into discussion groups. These are on purpose so that we can talk about the Lord, so that we can see how he's working in our lives and meditate richly on his goodness. And as we move to the next slide, it's when we see this praise in each other's lives that it draws us to ask why. What is this, what is compelling us to praise? What is the driving force behind this? If you join me in verse eight, the word says that the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. And the driving force that's compelling us to praise is the Lord's goodness. And when I think about verse 8 and 9, I think of Jesus. I think of the cross and how that encapsulates it so well that how our sins, all the things that we have done wrong, all the things that we feel all the things that would deserve a punishment. But when Jesus came, he never did that. He never shamed. He wasn't punitive in nature. He wasn't punitive towards us, but he dealt graciously towards us. That he was compassionate and, and he met with social outcasts. He spoke with, he touched the lepers. He spoke with the adulteress. And, and he shared in their sadness. He wept with them. And instead of increasing his pains or digging in the nails deeper, he instead eased their pains and took on their nails rather than condemn them. And so when we think of Jesus, why, why wouldn't we want to worship someone like this? Why wouldn't we want to devote our praise to someone like this that would give their lives for us, that would give his, lay down his life for us? This is someone truly praiseworthy. And when we think of the grace we've been given, the goodness of God, we're compelled to worship. Let's see what verse 10 says. Verse 10 says this, that all your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. And so our response to God's goodness, the only response is this everlasting praise. It calls for this an expression of enjoyment with all people, all God's people from all generations joining in in praise to the Lord. I think about all the people from past history all the people here with us now, all the people in the future, I think about how we're joined 
in this country, even in this time zone, by hundreds and millions of other people that are right now singing and proclaiming the Lord's goodness. And there's this choir, going back to it, there's this universal prayer that we just join in this worldly, this, this world-like, uh, in this universal praise with the Lord, that we join hand in hand spiritually with brothers and sisters in saying, the Lord is good, I have tasted and seen and known he is good, and my response is to give him endless praise. And the, and the wonderful thing is, is I was in children's ministry earlier, is that this choir is open to all. Like uh, baby Levi, baby, Le well not baby Liam, but Liam can join in this choir. That there's no, there's no age limit, there's no ability requirement, there's no experience needed, no audition to prove ourselves to join this choir. But this choir only needs one thing, and that's this heart of gratitude that recognizes and sees the Lord's goodness and his greatness. And we join in one song and praise the Lord. And so where do we see God's goodness in our lives? As we come to the end of the chapter, the Bible says this. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. You know, we discover God's goodness when we seek his presence. He, the Bible says that he lifts our head. The Bible says that he's near and answers our every call. The Bible says that he watches over us with loving eyes. This is the Lord's goodness when we turn our head to this, when we turn our face towards it. And you know, there's, there's no easy transition for this, but you know, when I read this word and when I think of the Lord's goodness, I think about this time when I was, when I was 21 years old, I was uh, a senior in college, and, and that's when I first learned what a 5150 is. And if, for those that don't know, a 5150 is a, is a slang term, it's a short term for the California Code for Involuntary Psychiatric Admittance to the Hospital, when someone is in danger to themselves or is a danger to others. For those that may know, Kimberly and I were dating uh, about a year at this point in time, and I was looking at rings this past month. Uh, I was so excited. I wanted to marry her so bad. I wanted to marry her so bad. I was so excited uh, to start our life together. And, um, and I just remember uh, getting this phone call. I remember getting this phone call. Uh, it lasts about 20 minutes. I remember getting this phone call that said, um, that, that just felt colder than any phone call I've ever received. And it said, hey, we need to break up. It, it's going to be over. And um, I just remember, um, you know, I'm going to fast forward 10 days. And I just remember thinking to myself, man, that, was, that just felt off. That I don't know what to do with myself. I feel in shambles. I get a second call about 10 days later. And uh, Kimberly says, hi. 
I say hi, and she says, I've, uh, I've been in the hospital for the past 10 days, and uh, I, I was in there for a 5150 because of mania, suicidal thoughts, and abnormal behavior, and uh, I just got diagnosed with bipolar one disorder. And all I can remember next is, is just driving. All I remember next is that week is I would just do these drives, I would just hop in my car, and I would just be speeding late at night down the H1, and, um, and just thinking to myself, and just pleading with, the God, with God that, you can't do this. You can't do this. You, you can't be good. You can't possibly be good if you do this to her. And I just remember getting home and, and just curled up and, and, and just and, and curled up on my knees by the bed. And I was, just, I was just so tired, so tired from being angry, so tired from being upset at the Lord. And I just remember him telling me that I love Kimberly more than you do and that I know you're angry. I know you're angry. I know you've been driving each night. But how will you know my love if it's always conditional to Kimberly? How will you know that I'm good if you never seek me? And the Lord says that you will know that I'm good not by my blessings, but by your wounds. The Bible says in verse 14 that the Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. And the Lord is near to all those who call on him. And so when we, when we praise, it's not just from the mountaintops when we have abundant blessings and we cheer but it's this deep hallelujah, it's this deep praise when we have sought him over and over and over and over again. It's in our deepest flaws and our deepest hurts and we are in a need of grace and we seek his face in this time and we see that he is good. And we know, and, and at this point we know and experience him to be good and what comes forth from this deep hallelujah, from this deep praise, is a well in a spring that begins to bubble up. And it begins to pour forth into a deep praise. And it pours over all over from generation to generation. And it gives Lord praise. And it's singing worthy is the Lord. My hope and prayer is that this would be the praise of renew. That our loudest praise wouldn't be, wouldn't be conditional that we're not uh, solely worshiping the Lord because of blessing. We're not worshiping the Lord because of, of blessings or, or, or a building or AC or a circumstance, but we're worshiping because we have encountered the presence of Jesus and we have known his goodness in our lives. And from this as a family, we join in response saying, great is the Lord who is worthy of all praise. Would you join me in prayer? God, we join you this morning as family, saying, worthy are you. Lord, forgive us of the times that we have praised things, idols, made idols out of things and praised things that weren't you, Lord. 
And Lord, when we have doubted your goodness, I just ask that you would reveal yourself to us, Lord. And that you would help us in our unbelief, Lord. That we would see your goodness in every aspect of our lives, Lord. And that when we see, when we see Jesus and we see your goodness, that we would begin to surrender and give everything back to you. All praise back to you for good are you. Lord, I pray that our praise wouldn't be conditional, that Renew wouldn't be a church that, that praises just as loud in the heat or praises just as loud outside. Lord, that our praise would be found because of Jesus, Lord, and what he's done. And when we think of the cross and your abundance of goodness and grace to us, that our, that our response is worship every day for the rest of our lives. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Wilson again. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If our sermons have been a blessing to you, I'd love for you to consider supporting our church and ministry. As we approach the end of the year, we're asking our church family to consider investing into a special fund that support our interns and seminarians. Renew has a vision of investing in pastors for the next generation through our internship program. And your financial partnership can help set up a young pastor or missionary to faithfully serve the Lord for the next 30 to 40 years. I often dream about what Erwin or Kevin will do for the kingdom of God through their 30s, 40s, and 60s. Our goal is to raise $50,000 over the season. Would you consider joining us? You can give through PayPal or Venmo or by sending a check. All the information is on the description section of the podcast, or you can visit our website, and your investment is tax deductible. Thank you so much for being a part of our church family. If you're ever in the Fullerton, California area, please drop by into our Sunday service. I'd love to meet you. God bless.